you know, just house sitting. Beck's parents' house in a very nice part of town. Uh, I used a bath bomb. I started watching a show called High Maintenance on HBO. It's about a drug dealer. It's really funny. Okay, I've seen that advertised so many times, and it's like, oh, I'd probably find that amusing, but I just, the past year, I had very specific watching desires. Same. It's so weird. It's like, it'd be like, oh, do I want to watch that? No. And it's just like, okay, I'm I'm not going to, like, normally it would be like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll try it. And it's just like, I don't know, didn't want to do anything that caused me any type of stress this past year because you know didn't want to think too much no exactly a lot of old favorites just re-watching comfort movies and shows and that was why i resubscribed to hbo so i could watch west wing it's just very good for anxiety to mm-hmm. watch something that you already know yeah it's comforting but yeah so i'm gilda and i'm steph and something that we didn't know was SNL, whoever knows what's going to happen week by week, but this week we had season 46, episode 20. Yeah, and this is uh, Saturday Night High, the podcast where we both smoke up, we get high, and we talked Saturday Night Live. Um, Yeah, season finale, holy shit. May 22nd, 2021. So yeah, it was season 46, episode 20, Anya Taylor-Joy, Lil Nas, or is it Anya Taylor-Joy? Lil Nas X. Um, Holy fucking shit. Going into last night, I didn't really know where to place my expectations. I was worried that, because I was like, all right, season finales are always really good. And with the amount of people that are potentially leaving this year, like this could potentially, this could be an epic show. And honestly, I think this was the best season finale since season 37 in 2012 when Kristen Wiig and Andy Samberg left. That's the last time I remember feeling this strongly about a finale. There were some strong send-offs, it felt like, for quite a few cast members. Yeah, and I knew when it opened on 80, Kate, Cecily, and Keenan, it was like, oh my God, and everyone's cheering. Oh, also, before we get into this, I want to say, so this was the first time since right before everything happened that there had been a full audience so there were no restrictions well you had to wear masks but like they had every seat filled right and I don't know if you saw but you could have emailed SNL and asked for some tickets to that show obviously I did obviously I didn't get them I (laughs) yeah I uh did not email because I knew that I had prior obligations and it's not cool to be like, hey, sorry, I can't come to your small intimate wedding. My, I, I, I have tickets to a show. Like that's not exactly, you know, um, it's a very good friend too. So I, I really would feel terrible. It's not like it was, you know. Um, I never want to be that guy. No, and honestly, it was a really nice wedding. It was really sweet. It was a really nice wedding, guys. Um, that sounds nice. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it was like in a, in a willow grove. Uh-huh. But yeah, so I knew when the show started off with the four of them uh, standing there. And the cold open was written by Colin Jost and Ken Sublette. Um, doing this the right way this time. <laughs> Good for you. Good on you. God, splicing and dicing, that was a fucking nightmare. Um, I bet. 
Um, anyway, I uh, so yeah, it was. I knew when I saw the four of them, and everyone was cheering, and you could tell it was a full audience. It was like, oh fuck. The four of them being Aidy Bryant, Kate McKinnon, Cecily Strong, and Keenan Thompson. And it's like three out of the four of them were on the brink of tears, and it was like, oh fuck, this is this is it. And you always know before the end of the season that people are probably going to leave, although about the past few years, um, that people are probably going to leave. And it's always sad. But tonight it was so bittersweet because it's literally the end of an era. It's like this got us through this cast was there pretty much starting in 2012 ish, right around Obama's second his reelection around the time where I could like really watch this stuff, honestly. <laughs> um, no, but that's what, that's when they joined. So then they were there through 2016 and they got us all through that and the ensuing four years and a pandemic and another election. And as they mentioned, an insurrection. And then when they uh, something about like deflect, no, the deflection of the insurrection or something. I don't fucking know. It was great. It was really good. I forgot what it was. Yeah. And it's like this episode, caps off the end of an era of SNL. It really, it's like, as they said, or as I can't remember if it was on the SNL stats guys went live on YouTube, but the place we were at had shit Wi-Fi, So I was using my phone as a hotspot and I was like, okay, I, I, I like them, but I'm not burning through data for them. <laughs> That's terrible. That's fair. Using my phone as a hotspot is like the best, honestly option books right now i have wi-fi that's really good i was gonna say i can get the like i can see like your face is glowy your hair looks great it's this huge window <laughs> looking out in this nice little neighborhood uh yes yeah, so it was just basically um oh so i don't know it's just like they got us through so much and it's like i don't know snl it's a comfort show it's oh saturday night at 11 30 20 weeks out of the year you're, you're gonna have the same people making you laugh and you you like you get attached and grow these like little bonds of like oh i'm really gonna miss them and yeah um tonight was a <clears throat> send-off but yeah anyway um it's like graduating college it really is um so it's been a long um tenure one could say yeah they, they went they went for the full uh, set of degrees anyway um yeah so they basically talked about you know how, how fucking weird it was doing a show at snl and then home and then lauren was like oh we should go back to new york for comedy and i thought that was fucking funny um so that was lauren made another joke this episode that was just like sort of like self-deprecating about snl it was great uh -huh. um <clears throat> i i like when like little bits of Lord pop up here and there in the show. Um, but they were talking about the crowds, which in the beginning they were first responders and that was great. And it was a wonderful opportunity for said, um, for said first responders, first responders right. <laughs> and- um, But they were reading medical textbooks. <laughs> right, and it's like, you know, maybe inviting people coming off of 36 hour shifts in a pandemic to go be the audience for a comedy show, maybe not the best move. Um, but it was cute the first time. Yeah, um, Chris Rock was there. Uh, that was exciting. He's been opening for John Mulaney at City Winery, which if you have tickets, please let me know. Satinatehighpod at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but this year, I don't know. 
fucking it's been a decade long like i, I swear to god said. yeah because the first episode becky hosted felt like it was six whole years ago and it did yeah and then they've done 12 shows since the election and it's like it doesn't even seem like it seems like they've it's been both less and double that uh, yeah no so much happened president yeah. got covid jim carrey was on us and all then he wasn't it's been a long year it has been um and uh, yeah the monologue was just really kind of talking to all the cast members about abs- how absolute batshit it's been and it was i don't know it was funny i liked it it was cute and they were like crying at the end but yeah and this is the third show in a row that the entire cast has said live from new york um yeah, so I thought that was cute. But yeah, now everybody was just like, I mean, can you imagine like getting through that much of it? I mean, it truly is a family at that point. Oh, that would be so just great. It was just a wholesome cold open, I thought. Yeah. So we then rolled right into Anya Taylor-Joy's monologue. The monologue was written by Streeter Seidel and Kent Sublette, which I thought it was funny. I liked that it was short because it made room for other sketches exactly i i like that they did the chest in the ceiling bit because that was you know the two of us we watched one episode of the queen's gambit we saw that and you know we never really watched the second episode i'll say it it the first episode is intriguing but slow it really kicks off in the second episode okay it's worth it we we watched it in like two days and you know steve and i steve is not a binge watcher yeah, no, I don't think I am, unfortunately. Oh. I wish I was sometimes. I used to uh, be. I was going to say you used to be. Right? <laughs> but yeah, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy's monologue, it was simple. It was sweet. She was saying she was born in uh, Miami, but she's half British, half Argentinian? Argentine? Argentine? I don't know which which form of that verb it is. Or noun? Fuck. Is that- <laughs> I, adjective. adjective maybe I, yeah I, I only studied that in college um <laughs> i was gonna say it's not like it's related to either of our professions no it's fine um yeah so legally her ethnicity was fashion week and then she read the rest of it in spanish which is her native language and I she introduced a little nas x cute <sighs> yeah really great so this next one you know this was like in my opinion, not the best sketch to be the first sketch after the monologue. This was a sketch. It was Retro Night. It was a rebroadcast of an old episode of a game show called Hollywood Squares, hosted by Tom Bergeron, who I used to love watching. Um, what's the word? America's oh, Funniest Home Videos. Yep, that's it. <laughs> I was like, HGTV? No. <laughs> AFV. So please tell me you're familiar with what Hollywood Squares are absolutely no fucking clue okay so <clears throat> hollywood squares it was a game show that would have six celeb or six celebrities nope that's math that's why we're not doing a math podcast nine, like nine squares nine. yes nine that's why I'm, um it had nine squares a celebrity in each square and then you have two people that have to like um you ask celebrities to answer trivia questions or something and if you get it right, it's basically you're playing tic-tac-toe with celebrities, but like they're comedians. It was a whole thing. It was a game show back when I was a kid and it was all the fucking rage for a little bit. 
Um, but the gimmick of this one, oh, there was a game from the 1950s called Guess Her Weight, which I was like, oh my God. And I will say, Steve and I, we were antiquing today, which is the fucking weirdest sentence. I, I, I never thought I'd be saying that shit, but we saw a fucking scale. Can you see that? Oh my God, which way are you growing? Get your exact weight here. And then the options are either fat or lean. Yeah, yeah. That was a fucking scale that was being sold for $1,600. What? Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. It was actually a really good time though. He got me a Rolling Stones record. Wow, that's yeah. nice. By the way, thank you for teaching me how to play a record on a record player <laughs> just yesterday wow yeah, yesterday um, right yeah oh my god but you're welcome i'm happy you enjoyed it yes yeah, so Fleetwood Mac of course i enjoyed it <laughs> um i was gonna say i both felt honored that i was the person you called and also really fucking old that you were calling and asking me how to work a piece of technology or music whatever what the fuck ever music sound we I, i've been able to work at turntables since i was like 12 and so i was like oh no i was thinking about when i learned how to use it and i was like oh this that was oh, that was so long ago um yeah no i fuck up i figured you because you are a music person well yes no thank you yes no i mean you would know naturally yes and i appreciate that um i wasn't really I wasn't confused as to why you called me. It was more just like, oh, I'm old. Um, running, running theme oh, recently. Music. Um, yeah, no, I, I just, I, I have two turntables. One that plays music, one that plays music and converts vinyl to MP3. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I can, well, that's, a, I can have vinyl quality music in my- And then it goes to the cloud from there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, holy shit. That's holy shit. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's like, yeah, it's like you hear the what you hear. It sounds more full, but on your really good headphones. Anyway, so Hollywood Squares, it was a game show that basically had every problematic person from the 90s that they could think of. Kevin Spacey, Matt Lauer, Bill Cosby, um, Jeff Dunham, Jared Fogle, Jared Fogle, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, and Baby Spice. There were also two other squares that I did not catch because, again, the Wi-Fi connection was kind of shitty and we were still having issues at this point. So, um, but yeah, I guess it was like every time a person gave an answer or praised someone else, it was like, this section has been omitted due to the controversy controversies related to Kevin Spacey. This person has requested their comments be omitted due to the controversies because it's like people praising each other. I, I thought it was funny, but I agree. It was a really fucking weird choice for, for weird choices for first and last sketch of the night tonight. You are right on that. It was just like, oh, so now I'm sitting here thinking about uh sexual assault right as we begin this episode of snl that's something great um, vibe which is like what pretty much every single person except mary kate and ashley and baby spice had in common so although i don't know well, if no Jeff jared Donald fogel made made the joke the you could fit an olsen twin in each of his old pants right but he was he, he was found with child porn like he was canceled because of that Right, so I just thought it was icky. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Is that like everybody except Baby Spice and the Olsen twins was problematic and probably, I think, accused of sexual assault. So it was just like, oh, guys. I felt like this just lasted too long. Like this yeah. should have been maybe the second or third sketch and it should have been shorter because like 
feel like Bill Cosby, Jeff, like, I think we just got it. We got it. We got it. And I mean, yeah, they needed nine people because tic-tac-toe, but I also, this was a vehicle. different. (laughs) Well, but then it wouldn't be, yeah. Um, I, uh, Hollywood Squares, it was written by Gary Richardson and Streeter Seidel. Um, okay. Yeah, and then this also um just reminded me because like literally last night as this episode was playing, I was getting into the bath and watching Fantasia on Disney Plus. I haven't seen Fantasia in so long, and it started out with uh, uh what what would you call that disclaimer about the representation? Gotcha. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I understand. Like it was um. You know, they were mocking the show and it was also it gave Keenan a chance to showcase his Bill Cosby, who he's portrayed him a number of times throughout the years. So this that kind of served as a potential goodbye to that character. Um, and then we went into the first pre-tape, which was called Picture with Dad. And this was written by Andrew Dismukes. He was great in this. I didn't realize he wrote this. Yeah, he was so, I, I figured it was like a Heidi Gardner, A.D. Bryan collaboration because I, I don't know, it's just like getting shot in the dick just seems, I don't know why it seems like those two, but it seems like that's the chaos that those two would bring. It so it's because castration fear is something that I would, I'm surprised that Andrew Dismukes would go into. <laughs> Like, it was just so fucking funny about, you know, oh, this guy's going to do a ha-ha joke picture with his daughter and her date. Not really a ha-ha wanna... joke. That's super gross, well, okay. by the way. Do, the, 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 the ha-ha joke. I mean, yeah, then the, whole, then the mom and, and Heidi, I, they were all, they were both like the mom. Right, they were horrified. <laughs> no, but I don't think I conveyed my sarcasm in there. I'm saying ha-ha joke. And oh, that, like, yeah, yeah. Like, the dad thought it was funny and nobody fucking else did because the premise of this sketch was that he wanted to convince his kids not to have sex on prom, or convince his daughter and her boyfriend not to have sex on prom night and while he's laying at so okay they're taking the pictures he's like no no the joke is i have a gun and i'm gonna you know it's don't have sex with my daughter blah 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 he shoots himself in the dick they go to the hospital the doctor is like Mm-mm. no i it was anya taylor joy correct yeah anya anya taylor joy okay sorry i've always thought it was anya this I, I know and, that, and that's why me. it's like the entire it's like i've just thought it was that but it's anya okay anya sorry anya sorry um you're beautiful Anya oh god seriously though she's like my dream woman anyway yeah um, what the fuck oh god um so yeah she was a doctor and uh they were basically like well no we've been having sex and he's like no he was like you remember when we went to was it the Dominican and you didn't see us for the entire week? Yeah, then. And like, they just keep listing times. They dated for they... three years. Right, yeah. And um, <laughs> they dated for three years and he's like, okay, but out of respect to me and my situation, please don't tonight. And they were like, okay, we will. And it was, it was I mean, really yeah, funny. It was accurate. It's so real. That was exactly yeah. me. I honestly, I really liked this pre-tape. It was fucking out of left field, but like not in a odd Kyle Mooney way it was just like holy shit this I didn't think I would laugh at like a castration sketch but here we are it was great yeah um I read on read it and I didn't see it from my own eyes but apparently on the costume there was like blood spatter 
after he shot himself in the dick? I think I did see, yeah, in the, um, it was like the picture because the guy was like, oh, um, back then it was like, oh, did you get it? And she's like, I, I think so. And she didn't get a picture of him holding the gun, but rather she got a picture of himself shooting himself in the dick. Um, and then we went into another sketch, which just made me giggle a little bit. This was called Making Man, and it was written by Dan Licata and Streeter Seidel. Yes, and this was about, I don't know who they're supposed to be, like angels mm-hmm. creating man and woman. Mm-hmm. And it was Beck Bennett, Keenan Thompson, Chris Red, Mikey Day on the, the man team. And then the woman team was uh, A.D. Bryant, Anya Taylor-Joy, Melissa Villasenor, Kate McKinnon and Eddie Bryant, right? Yes. Was Ego North- Mikey Day there? Yeah, you said <laughs> Wait, yeah. Her? You said oh, Mikey Day. I think you said I, I don't know. I, there were a lot of people in this sketch. It was like I was like four guys, four girls, and then I want to say was it Kyle Mooney that played? Kyle Mooney was in fact Jesus Christ. They said someone played the proto man. Maybe not. I don't know. What? That looks like it was not a real thing. And that's what I, I thought. So but then surprised. someone, hang on, SNL, uh, which was written by Dan Licata and Streeter Seidel. And um, yeah, it was basically just angels creating people. And um, they were talking about the different genitalia and women had figured out how to provide food for babies. And they were like, well, we utilize these. And the names were... Um, squeezies for boobs which i thought was fucking hilarious and uh for male genitalia it was dangler and wrinkle pouch which i i mean they're not wrong for dangler he was like you can squeeze it as hard as you want (laughs) yeah but if you flick the wrinkle pouch he will double over and vomit it was like i mean i again they're not wrong it's not great design but there we are um the sketch ended with A.D. Bryant and Ego Nodem walking out and A.D. goes, what were they thinking? And she goes, girl, they weren't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that made the sketch honestly kind of worth it, but still it, it was like, all right, this is funny. Right, also the Jesus. I, I forgot it was a about weird Jesus. idea. Sorry. Yeah, Jesus came in, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then I was just rewatching Pride Celebration. The pre-tape Pride Month song was written by Sooty Green, Bowen Yang, and Celeste Yim. Um, I loved which, this one. Yeah, you should uh, you should handle this one because my Wi-Fi cut out like a third of the way into it. And so I have the first part and the last, yeah. Okay, right. So because Pride is just around the corner, we had our queer cast members, Bowen Yang, Kate McKinnon, punky johnson and i guess anya taylor joy i didn't look it up but i guess she probably i i don't know um hang on i meant to look i I guess i was just hoping that she would be um i think i just started typing in her name and people said on anya taylor joy boyfriend (laughs) yeah um she does have a boyfriend um she does have a boyfriend, but I have heard on random like blind item pages that she may dabble with ladies. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that's just wishful thinking. I wish she would. Yeah. But, I mean, I was glad to see her in the sketch. It was just really cute. They were, um, <laughs> the, there was a, a line that, who was it? I believe it was Punky Johnson 
or no, it was Bone Yang saying like, when did all these straights start dressing lesbian? I thought that was really funny. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. There was a line saying, let's go eat some Chick-fil-A. And they were like, no, 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 they're super homophobic. He's like, nothing matters anymore. That's facts. Their mac and cheese is so good. Oh, it's, oh my God. Their sandwiches are so good. So anyway, um, yeah, it was I, it was just a really funny, like, oh my God, Pride is amazing, but Bowen Yang had a crush on a guy and he was there with another guy and it was like a meltdown at a bar, but it was like, Pride's amazing, but it's a mess. And yeah, it was funny. As soon as the sketch started, I was like, oh, Lil Nas X better pull through for this. And he, of course, he did. fucking did. He was talking about posting whole and Marsha P. Johnson fighting for your right to be chaotic. It was great. And the sketch ended with them all realizing that they were wearing Deutsche Bank merch pride t-shirts, which was great in light of this crazy ass Target collection. You ever watched into a Target recently? It's just uh, their pride collection has, it's just silly. Deutsche Bank has sponsored Target's pride collection? No, 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 no. I'm just saying Deutsche, the, the thought of Deutsche Bank Pride merchandise oh. makes me laugh and think about Target Pride merchandise. Gotcha. Okay, no, I have not been to a Target recently. I was in a Joann's the other day, and their Pride merchandise made me laugh because I was like, is that a Pride paw print? Like, what? what? Gay cats? What? That is so funny. I... Gay cat ladies. Yeah. <laughs> which would probably be people who enjoyed the next sketch or what it was about, which was Celtic woman... Celtic Woman was written by Anna Dresden, Allison Gates, Fran Gillespie, and Sooty Green. You know, when you got, uh, what was it? It was this for a DVD or for the experience of going to the show. And it was for that. Yeah. yeah. Edie Bryant, Cecily so. Strong, Anya Taylor Joy, and Kate McKinnon. I think Edie and Anya were like a power duo tonight. They really were. They clicked. There were, I mean, I remember seeing these commercials when I was little. And I also remember seeing commercials for the VHSes of them. So I thought and it also was my grandmother may have gotten us a VHS of it. I have no fucking clue. But yeah, it was like, oh, they'll sing songs that aren't remotely this or songs that people enjoy that have no reason to be sung in this version. And they were singing Sweet Home Alabama. It, was, <laughs> it sounded so great. It, it was, so it was hilarious. Yeah. yeah, somebody say a review and it was in one word, yeah, in one word, Ireland. And then, oh my God, we had Lil Nas X's first performance of Montero, Call Me By Your Name. I was Holy shit. so glad that he did this song. I mean, it made sense. And yeah. I was so, like, I don't know if you saw the little, like, you know, the bumper that they do, like, in between the commercials. Uh-huh. I was able to see them oh, today yeah. because I had to watch on demand. And he nice. looked kind of nervous in them. I was like, oh my God, look at him getting ready to pole dance. Yeah. <laughs> Which I want them to post the dress version of this. I want to see his pole dance. Like they owe him that. He wasn't able to do it because his pants split. Well, he did Which, a good job into, of okay. doing what he could do. And yeah, I mean. Oh, I mean, it was amazing. And you were the one that told me that um, one of the dancers tested positive for COVID. So the entire dance troupe that they've been practicing with for two weeks had to be like completely scrubbed. And they brought in guys a day ago that had to learn the dance, like learn the choreography in 24 hours. That is insane because one of my like notes for this was that the dancing was great. It was so energetic. I loved it. So good. 
the hypersexual dancing that's great oh my god yeah um if they had not if that hadn't come out i never would have even known that it just looked so it was like raw and so well done and still crisp it was fucking incredible and then lil nas x goes to pole dance and he rips his pants open and he realizes it and immediately recovers and he saved NBC like a serious fine like even if there had been a glimpse that would have been like my god the man is a professional for real on his twitter feed uh if you look you see watch now you don't want to miss it and then the next tweet is not my pants ripped on live tv omfg no and then he just tweeted a bunch of funny things like you know I I wanted to do my pole routine so bad this is what I get uh, I know I do a lot of planned shit, but ripping my pants on live television is not one of them. Yeah, no. I mean, but his face when he realized was so cute and his recovery, like I did not realize he ripped his pants until I woke up to a thunderstorm at like 4.30 in the morning and I'm just scrolling through Twitter because what the fuck else are you going to do? Um, and I'm like, wait, he did what? And I'm watching it and I was like, oh, I just, I mean, I did think it was a little weird that he never really utilized the pole that was on the stage. It made sense after the fact, mm. but it didn't look out of place. It just looked like he was doing this like sexy hip swivel thing, which my God, the women in the audience were going fucking nuts for him. And it's honestly pretty sure. I think he said he was bi. I'm not sure if he's gay. I really don't know his orientation. It's not, I, I, that's not, I mean, I don't want to say it's not something that I even pay attention to, but it really doesn't like, it's like, it doesn't affect how I see someone. That sounds like saying you don't see color, but it's like, I, I honestly, well, Nas X. Oh, he's gay. He's actually, he's gay. I looked this up this morning. I don't know why I oh. forgot, but he's gay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. He's gay. Um, sorry. But anyway, it was like, my God, like that man is so attractive. And the crowd was just like, God damn, there are sexy men up there dancing and fucking killing it. And again, Steve grew up pretty conservative, was like, not really sure what any of that, like, I'm not sure what any of the dance moves or whatever they were doing were called, but that was amazing. And Steve is not one to think like super gay things are amazing. Yeah, no, I love rap becoming gay it's great it's it's so fucking amazing like old town road i was like all right this guy's probably a one-hit wonder and then this came out a few months ago and i'm like oh god damn this slaps and then i get a lecture from about how you know something about satan and shoes and i was like all right cool dude song still slaps yeah right come on whatever (laughs) um but yeah that was just i loved every single fucking bit of that performance it was just it gave me life and it belonged on the fucking season finale of snl it did he was such a good choice for the last musical guest 2021 season 46 yes then we had our last weekend update with the highly anticipated joke swap but we'll get to that Yeah. yeah We started out with Colin Joe's talking about how we were in a much better place now that, you know, everything has changed. Loki, not everything, but just a, you know, Taylor Swift song title, how to post it out there. I passed up seeing her on the Red Tour and I still regret it to this day. I know. It's the only tour of hers 
I, for some reason I saw speak now, I don't know why. Um, and then I skipped red and then I haven't missed a tour since, which is only two, but still. Um, uh, no, weekend update, um, Taylor Swift, fuck, fuck, fuck. Well, the first joke that really hit with me, I guess was Matt Gates ha- the investigation, having the cooperation of his ex-girlfriend after her prom. I was like, oh, no way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this was kind of a no-holds-barred weekend update tonight. They just went for it. They showed a picture of Mitch McConnell and Colin Jost is like, this is Mitch McConnell at the demolition of a children's hospital. And it was like, fuck yes, keep coming for Mitch McConnell. Um, five, something about five decades and being 38 years ago, I there was a gap in math that didn't make sense, but I was a beer in because the wedding we went to was dry. Right. That I totally smoked pot in the bathroom and then just glated it the fuck up. <laughs> I was not doing that. One thing that I don't like about house sitting is I can't smoke inside. This is awful and would not recommend. <laughs> yeah, no, they were really nice bathrooms, but I just turned the fan on because it went outside anyway. Um, there was a joke about, um, oh, Oh, I remember what the five decades was about. It was Andrew Giuliani, Rudy Giuliani's weird son, who was portrayed by Chris Farley on this very show. Not this show, like, specifically, but, like, you know, 25 years ago. Um, uh, He said that he's been in politics for five decades, even though he's only 38 years old. And the joke was that, God, this is, like, we didn't even know this was possible, that, you know, you can get brain damage from your dad drinking during pregnancy. And I fucking shrieked at that. That was hilarious. Michael Che talked about um, Biden's response to Israel being a light touch. And he said, well, everything with him involves some kind of touch. Which, okay, <laughs> fine, inappropriate, but like Joe Biden can be like a little weird, creepy old grandpa. But um, I did think the Joe Biden not having a light touch and that, okay, Joe Biden, he's 78 years old. He's slow. This was him test driving the new electric Ford pickup truck. He's a 78 year old man. You think he's going to tap and the fucking footage cuts in and Joe Biden just guns it. And I had not seen that footage and I was I fucking lost it because I was just like holy shit and then the follow-up joke was Colin Jost saying that he was pretty sure that uh he was pretty sure that we were gonna have our first female president after seeing that and it was like yeah that was great I laughed pretty hard at that Pete Davidson had his little weekend update corner which was written by himself, Pete Davidson, and Dave Cirrus. And he started this off by acknowledging that it's Mental Health Awareness Month. And he was talking about masks and how he thought that people wouldn't recognize him, but they could still recognize him because of his eyes, which make him look like he just woke up and also never sleeps, which is true. And I love how self-aware he is. Yeah. The line that really hit me during this episode or during this episode Jesus during this segment was him saying Pete Davidson saying it's been an honor to be on this show and or it's 
uh, been an honor to be on the show and he's loved or it's been a privilege to grow up in front of you and like with you. And it was like, it's like, it was a privilege to watch him grow up because when he joined SNL, I mean, I'm not that much older than him. Um, when he joined it, it was like, oh, cool. He was like the resident young person. And then I was chatting with someone on Twitter last night who was younger than him when he joined SNL. And they're like, yeah, when he joined, he was the resident young person. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm so on the wrong side of this. Um, <laughs> but it was like, we got to watch him grow up. But at the same time, like I was growing up at the same time. Not that we were going through the same things. I did not date a worldwide, fa worldwide famed pop star, but like, it's, I don't know. That was just like, I was already in the feels with this episode and that line just like hit me in the heart. I was like, oh no, this is happening. Yeah, he was so genuine about it and it was bittersweet, I would say. Oh, that was my, that was my note for this segment. Crying emoji. Yeah. Uh, there was something about people in Boston being romantic or having orgasms or loud sex or something. And it was just Mel Gibson dying in Braveheart, I think. Yeah. Was that, maybe the Patriot. That, I don't Boston, know. I thought that was supposed to be somewhere different, but I don't know. I maybe not. Like Scotland. I, don't I wasn't really paying attention. Probably Scotland. That makes more sense. <laughs> it makes a lot more I, sense. I, again, I was running this episode off of my cell phone at this point. So I think I heard Boston, but Scotland, that, that, that's, what it was. And then we got to the much anticipated potentially final, I don't know, joke swap. But oh my God, we got off to a start with, uh, I don't know that we, well, it's a joke about an overweight monkey and people being attracted to the overweight monkey that was written by Michael Che towards Colin Jost. Che really got Jost in this joke swap so much so much what I thought was funny was that Colin Jost really tried to go for Che and it was probably the strongest he's ever gone after him but Che just hit a thousand times harder he kept and going at some of the jokes like the repetition of that black superman movie it, oh man God. of steel but steel spelled s-t-e-a-l Colin Jost was like he could barely get through reading that I could barely get through reading that that was crazy no, it was, oh my God. It, yeah, Black Super, because he was like, oh, and because after the first Black Superman joke, he's like, because you like that one so much, here's another. And then there were a few more jokes. And then, uh, yeah, Colin just made Michael Che say that blue lives matter even more. Right. Um, no, Colin Jost said that the worst moments are always the lead up to that moment when you're in a hallway and you hear one of the writers say, you can't make him say that. Oh my God, his life will be over. They'll kill him. And you hear that, but you don't know what it is. And you're like, oh my God, can someone please talk Che out of whatever that was going to be? So that's the scarier part. Because I guess, you know, if you're reading it on air, it's at least been vetted by Lord. As soon as Khan started reading, you could see that his face was getting like red. He was kind of blushing. <laughs> No, oh my God. And then Michael Che made Colin Joe say that Woody Allen was completely innocent. And I was like, oh my fucking God, this just went nuclear. And then there was, oh, and I just thought of another black Superman joke. It was like, this joke swap had a fucking narrative from Michael Che's perspective. It like had a beginning, middle and fucking end. Che understands and, this assignment. Uh, 
He does. And he said on Instagram, like last night was the best, 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 best weekend update ever. And if that doesn't cancel Colin, nothing will. <laughs> it's just like, dude. Um, and then I thought it was funny. Normally the joke swap is what they end weekend update with, but the past few weekend updates that have had the joke swap, Janine Pirro has been right before it, at least the last one in December. And she splashes wine on Colin Jost and then his mic gets fucked up for the joke swap and you can't hear because it crackles. So tonight they did the joke swap and then they did Janine Pirro, Cecily Strong as Janine Pirro, which my God, they, I was, okay, before we recorded, I went on Dumois just to check because, you know, I needed to see what people sent in from SNL and stuff like that. And um, apparently nothing has been decided for most of the cast, but the way some people were sent off last night, I tend yeah. to think they're leaning towards leaving. Feels like it. Because, yeah, I... um so yeah, I uh her as Janine Piero. Where was the fucking text? She really went for it with the wine splashing onto Colin Joseph. Now I understand why she was doing it so much and so well. I was impressed when she made that backward shot. Um <laughs> Janine Piero. I read a fucking, I thought I took a um screen grab of it i think it was that box i think it was eight i don't want to say maybe 80 gallons of wine it was built in the last two days well it was fucking impressive it was somebody making a tweet somebody tweeted or instant i don't fucking know but it was amazing um it was she sang my way by frank sinatra who is probably ronan farrow's biological father um yeah it was a perfect weekend update it was and it did feel again like cecily shong's on her way out yeah and again like i am the first to admit when she came on the show when she was a featured player i did not like her i didn't get the vibe i didn't get why she was hired but as she grew into her role as a cast member i she added so much to the show and if she is in fact leaving i will miss her Love you, Cecily. Speaking of actresses on the show having, uh, you know, an entrance where they need to figure out and stumble along the way, what on earth happened with Melissa Villasenor? Did we even talk about that? Oh, dear God, we did not talk about that. Um, Yeah, on Friday night, Thursday night. It was the party. Yeah, it was the it was like the annual SNL writers party. And she said she had Milsevius and her said on Instagram live the next day. I think it was I think the party was Friday night. Um, she said the next day that she had had one beer and got way too drunk. And I, I don't know if that was the truth or if she had more. But she posted on Instagram that she was leaving SNL because she's going to go somewhere where she is appreciated. And it was like oh, Jesus, shots fired. And, like, Reddit went insane. It's definitely the kind of thing that you have to have drink a little bit to post. Yeah, like, I, and I mean, I said it on Twitter. I was fucking drunk the night prior, too. I think it was Thursday night to Friday, maybe. Um, I was drunk the night prior, too, but I didn't almost accidentally quit my job. Like, you know, like, you gotta be real fucking drunk to do that. And I mean, again, there's nothing wrong with getting drunk and letting off some steam, but don't go online when you're drunk. Yeah, the finale 
joke swap was written by Michael Che, Colin Jost, and the Weekend Update writing staff. And Janine Pirro on the Mexico-United States border was written by Cecily Strong and Brian Tucker, which, my God, what a fucking send-off if this is, in fact, your final. Yes. Our next sketch was the Brar Barn, another Anya Taylor-Joy and Edie Bryant, uh, you know, what's the word? Sketch. Sketch, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... It was basically saying like, well, bras are for boobs and bras are for breasts. And it was just for like really large chested women. And Heidi Gardner comes in and I think it was Heidi Gardner and Edie Bryant is like sizing her up, but sizing her up just by like grabbing her boobs and squeezing them, which was just fucking hilarious. Um, Beck Bennett came on as the guy making the bras or the bras rather. And he's wearing a welder's mask. Yeah. He was wearing a welder's mask. They like clang together. It's like once a year you clean them by hanging them out the window at the car wash. And that was just fucking funny. It came out of nowhere. Yeah, this was a great sketch. I couldn't really relate to much of it, but. No, me either. I did, like A.D. Bryan's line that Victoria's Secret is she's too intimidated, is that she's too intimidated to help me. <laughs> yeah, I have been systematically getting rid of my victoria's secret bras because i why i i I don't they're uncomfortable and if i don't have to wear a bra i don't and if i do then i wear one that doesn't really do much other than makes my nips not show so yeah that's really the whole reason for the season if you will yep and now it was uh oh and then chloe i think it was chloe Feynman walks in to get sized and uh, Adie Bryant was like, you, you don't need a bra. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that's me. Thanks. That was me. Um, I also yep. liked when they described the location of the bra barn. You have to go up some stairs and you're like, is this apartments? And I've been to places where you're trying to get to them and you're like, oh, is this apartments? Yeah. Then we had this NYU film department guest panel live stream. And it was another ad and anya sketch with the cast of a tv show titled roommates in the city it was ego note of heidi gardner bowen yang punky johnson and the heartthrob pete davidson and each one of the people on this panel were of a they identified with a group of some sort whether that was Black, gay, bi, I I don't know. It wasn't, some of them weren't specified, but like Pete Davidson was just like the cis cis guy that like was- He got all the attention because of his looks. Yeah. And it was- Yeah, exactly. Just such a joke of an interview with Edie Bryant and Annie Taylor-Joy. They're both blonde and they were asking him like, oh, blondes or brunettes? And he said blondes and they would giggle. just shit like that. But then they would turn to- um, I think they turned to Ego and Rodem and said, as a Black woman, can you explain race? Yeah. So, um, College Panel, it was written by... Ah! College Panel, it was written by Anna Dresden and Celeste Yim. And, um, yeah. Uh, they asked her to explain race. Someone on Twitter, fuck, I don't know who it was, and I don't even... I don't know where it was. I'm not going to find it. Um, if it was you... It was a great tweet. 
um, saying that basically like, oh my God, how many uncomfortable pressers have these people, have the people on stage had to sit through? Like that these were like, you know, oh, can you explain the homosexual agenda or whatever the fuck? It was just like these really pointed, terrible questions. Yeah. And then Boniang went, can you ask less devastating questions? Yes. Which was an amazing line. Yeah, I, uh, it had a few good lines, but I thought it was the first, like, I, I don't want to say it was the first full miss of the night, but it was, it, it wasn't, it was good, but it was too long. They could have cut a bit from it and maybe had the pre-tape in there if they had cut a bit from Hollywood Squares too. Yeah, it did make me laugh um, quite a bit. Then something that didn't make me laugh, but had me in my feels was Lil Nas X's next performance of his song that came out the day before the episode sun goes down trigger warning there is a bit of discussion about suicidal thoughts and ideations in the context of Lil Nas X's second performance if this is something you do not wish to hear hit the fast forward button one two skips three to be safe if you have it set for 10 seconds, I have mine set for 15 seconds. But um, yeah, so just a heads up about that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. I had never heard it. This was my first time. This is my first exposure to the song and I I enjoyed it. I The performance was great. I didn't catch much many of the lyrics. I have to read lyrics the first time or I have to read lyrics to like right. show that it, it's fucking weird yeah so i i enjoyed the performance was it sad um he references like past suicidal thoughts in the lyrics oh fuck yeah god damn it i did not realize yeah it's a really good song okay he's really good i love little nonsense okay oh I, truly, I never thought I'd be like, oh my God, yes, Lil Nas X, let's mm. go. But like, I am like so ready to see him like support someone. I don't know how many songs he has, if it's just the few. Yeah, he's not um, many, but they're all right. hits. I love them. And then we had um, the final sketch of the night, which was a weird fucking choice. Why did this get selected in, instead of the pre-tape that was i don't know the back the pre-tape of backstage pitch i don't like, know but fuck? this made me laugh a lot actually maybe because um quiet place 2 is coming out and so all i've been doing is not showing the fuck up about how excited i am to go back to movie theaters and that's what this was was just becca bennett as vin diesel doing an amc ad for movie theaters yeah so i am not a fast and furious type girl i it's not i'm not going to see that you fucking getting me no way um what i am excited about did not see this coming we've seen the trailer three times (laughs) trailer three times in the past like week week and a half for uh cruella oh yeah with emma stone steve is like would you go see that with me and i was like are, are, are you being serious right now? He's like, yeah, that looks really good. I was like, do you know what it's about? It's like, yeah, the bad lady from 101 Dalmatians. And I'm like, oh, okay. So as, as long as we're on the same page and you realize you're asking if I'll go see a Disney movie with you. Like, I want to have this, like, you know. That is so uh, funny. Somewhat. Uh, yeah. I love Emma Stone, like, though. Jesus. Who doesn't? 
Oh my God, I know. I'm so fucking excited for this. This is the first Disney movie I've been excited about in a very long time. And if they decide to do a whole fucking slew of Disney villain live action movies, I am fucking here for it. Granted, this one will probably be the best because it was original, but, or not original, but you know what I mean? Like, you know what? If Disney wants to go on ahead and and dump more money into that, I will gladly work on those productions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we're going back to the movies for the first time in over a year and a half. What's the last movie you saw in theaters? Fuck if I know shit. So January, 2020, wait, let me just look at a list of what came out in January, 2020 and also December. Well, I definitely saw um what's the word the rise of skywalker and was upset with the way that that sequel trilogy ended can i be honest for a second you didn't see it or any of them really haven't i haven't seen any of the newest i haven't seen any of the newest three i am a star wars fangirl not to the point where like i know like every type of plane and robot but like i know the stories but I don't know. I lived through the original reboots in the late 90s and early 2000s, and I got burned. I only saw the first one. I didn't even see the second or Nope. Um, It was, well, okay, that's a lie. I saw the first half of the second one, but decided I had seen enough and just was like, I I can't do this anymore. It's the first three and that's it. Um, I did see, okay, we did see Solo. Christ, I think I saw that with Steve. I don't know when that came out, but I think I saw it with Steve. I have no idea. No, it wasn't Solo. It was Rogue One. Rogue One. I haven't seen Solo. Um, it was okay. It was weird, and it just, like, retconned, but that's just Star Wars. Yeah. I, Mike Ryan said that it's actually better with a few years' distance, because he kind of had the same Star opinion Wars. when it came out, but no, Solo. Right. Mm-hmm. He said it. He said with a few years on it, it's actually a better movie. Okay, so that's interesting. Yeah, and Mike Ryan is like you know, SNL god status for the scorecard he ran for a decade. After my um, research, I've come to the conclusion that I'm pretty sure The Rise of Skywalker was the last movie I've seen in theaters. Depressing. Okay, the last movie I saw in theaters was Parasite. Ooh, so good. It was so good. It was literally, we had just gotten back. I had just gotten back from dropping you and Fuckface McGee off at the airport. And it was like, well, what do we want to do? We were like, well, movie theaters might shut down soon. I don't think so, though. But, you know, let's go see that movie before the Oscars. And so we walked over. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. It was, yeah, it was like, it was literally, I was like, I'm sad. Yeah. Steve's like, all right, let's go. Yeah. And then a pandemic happened. It was great. And by great, I mean terrible. Okay, so there was a cup for time, which was backstage pitch. And I do not know who wrote this because the list that I grab, the list I grab from on Reddit, I do not believe has anything in the chart. No, it does not. I just refreshed. So this was basically members of the SNL cast pitching Queen's Gambit season two ideas to Anya Taylor-Joy. And it was like, oh my God, it was basically just like parodies of other movies, but with chess. And 
they, it was over the top and I don't fucking know why they didn't put this in the broadcast. Like how the hell did like Hollywood squares make it in when this did, right? This was great. Like who, like, yeah, this was so good. Yeah. It started with uh, Kate McKinnon doing a queen's accent and playing chess because that was her queen's gambit idea. Yeah, there was, um, was it Free Queenie? Was a Free Willy parody? Yeah, and Andy Bryant was like, oh, we, we got this whale and it comes with a free octopus. <laughs> and there was like an, oct- oh, because uh, sh- it was a documentary short, like My Octopus Teacher or something at the Oscars. It won, I, I don't know. This was the sketch that people in the standby line on Friday night saw being uh there were cue cards in the front of a minivan being driven into 30 rock and this is what those were for so that was cool oh, wow that was cool um or maybe they were being driven to wherever it was being taped i don't fucking know but um yeah it was just really funny and at the end of the sketch she's like okay i'm really tired of this this is ridiculous and i can't remember who said it but they were like well you know, sometimes when a cast member or when a host comes in and they're really only known for one show, that's all anyone wants to write about. And she's like, yeah, no, I get it. And so they all leave. And Anya Taylor-Joy takes out her cell phone and she dials three numbers, which I was like, wait, okay, 911? What the fuck? But it wasn't. It was Netflix. And she's like, hello, Netflix? I have season two of The Queen's Gambit. Or I have season two. And it was like, the title card of The Queen's Gambit with all of their ideas, like, photoshopped in. It was fucking wild i it was like about joke stealing but it took a turn and i loved it yeah it was it was great i laughed so hard at mr bean's gambit and um queen's borat queen's borat was my fucking favorite what did what what did he say my night (laughs) it was whoever i can't remember who was portraying sasha baron cohen it was kate mckinnon okay i should have known that um (laughs) I on it. I only saw Borat for the first time last fall, oh. before the second Borat came out. Because when I was like, "Oh my god, second Borat looks or Borat two looks so good," it was so much better than the Steve first. Steve was like, "It was because it like had there was like a message underneath of like okay, like the first one was making fun of Americans. The second one, it was like okay." This is bad. This is what America, this is what's going on in America right now. Like, it wasn't funny. It was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it was like, wake up call. This is actually not a joke anymore. Yeah. I, um, yeah, no. And I was like, oh my God, Borat 2 looks so good. And Steve was like, oh yeah, I haven't seen Borat 1 in, God, probably 12 years. And I was like, I've never seen Borat 1. And he was like, what? So we watched Borat 1. And That's then- a, a straight guy movie for sure. Uh-huh. But Borat 2, I thought was really fucking good. Amazing. And the, the actress in it was so good. That was like her first like big role. Yeah. Maria ba- Bakalova, I believe. I think so. Um, yeah, no. And she said, I think she said when uh, she was interviewing or auditioning. Auditioning is the word. Auditioning for SNL. That was the word I was looking for last night. Wow. That only took 20 hours. Um, so the uh auditioning um she when she was auditioning for it she like thought she's like fuck i hope i'm not getting like trafficked because it was like so few details to go audition for the final part yeah it was 
it was funny in retrospect, like hearing the story is like, ha ha, that's a really funny story, guys. They probably should have given you more details. <laughs> but like in like if I were that if I were her, I would have been very fucking nervous. Yeah, you never fucking know out there. <laughs> no. Oh, but yeah, so that was pretty much the season finale of um season 46 of SNL. And before we get into ranking our sketches, I want to read some random things that were sent in to Doom One. You can take it with a grain of salt because it's community generated gossip. But um, so someone said, I saw Chloe Feynman of SNL this morning. She looked rough, but still pretty. It's like, okay, yeah, it's the morning post SNL finale. They all partied until God only knows what time. SNL. So someone, she responded to someone, whoever runs Dumas, saying, uh, uh, have you heard anything about who's leaving? The person responds, and it says, follow at SNL stats for more. So this might be one of the SNL stat bros, um, or SNL stat boys, sorry. Uh, As of now, no one is leaving by choice, parentheses, this could change over the summer. Pete and Cecily certainly opened the door last night to leaving, but by no means confirmed. Production decisions to be made in August. So like, all right, so there's that, and it's like, all right, but it pretty much, like, why do all that to come back? Like, that just deflates the absolute emotional punch of everything that happened last night if they come back. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're just preparing for whatever they feel like in August. Yeah, and so then another person says, I was actually at the show last night, and this isn't true. Goodbyes happened. If you report this, though, I don't want my name or user involved, please. Which goodbyes, again, please don't use my name as source, but Kate is leaving. (laughs) Someone else was at the show and told me Kate was teary. I mean, yeah, she basically started crying during the cold open. And anyone with eyes could tell that. Uh, So Kate's mom attended the show, and when the cameras cut, the entire cast circled around her and hugged her, and then Kate ran to her mom crying and hugged her for a solid two minutes. However, I know! However, from what I saw during all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, no one had had an emotion level the way Kate had. None of the cast were treated like she was at the end. And truly, she did bring a whole-ass level of attention to SNL. I remember when she joined as a featured player, and it was just like, it was apparent from the get-go. Like, she is going to be someone in this cast. She's going to be in this for the long haul. Yeah. Like, sometimes it takes people a while to find their footing, i.e. Cecily. Sometimes it's apparent from the get-go. Kate McKinnon. Honestly, I feel, and granted, Kate McKinnon joined the cast a long time ago, and this was a long time ago, but I feel the same way about Andrew Dismukes that I do about Kate McKinnon. Oh, wow. That's a strong thing. But you know what? I kind of agree. He has really shown us what he can do, and I'm impressed. Yeah, I am so fucking pumped for next season, which I've been thinking so much about like next season and going through like, okay, who's it going to be in the cast? So yeah, when I said season 47 at the beginning of the show, I was like, of course, right. This is what we're doing, which, oh my God, we get to go back to classic next week. I know. I'm actually excited. Yeah, same. It's been a minute. Okay. So what didn't work for you? So the... Hollywood Squares, just because it lasted too long, I was like, I don't want to be thinking about this for much longer, actually, I don't know. Yeah. That was, eh, it was all right, but what really didn't work for me was the AMC Vin Diesel. I was 
it, it was just like, all right, we get it. It's it's a funny joke, but like as like a 30 second bit, like I would have been okay with seeing that as like a 30 second commercial bit and weekend update, like a throwback to like the 1970s, like, okay, and here's a here's a message from AMC theaters and like have a 30 second bit about like the concession stand lady, Anya Taylor-Joy and Beck Bennett is Vin Diesel. Like that would have been perfect as a 30 second bit. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's like, it just, it was like, really? You're going to spend minutes on this when you have cut things that are better? So. Yeah, yeah that was a bit niche. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your runner-up? This was very, very tough, but I'm going to say. This was so fucking tough. Right? Um, the gay pride sketch. Okay. <laughs> Bless you. Um, God. This was so fucking hard because pretty much everything that wasn't my best fell into this category. Mm-hmm, like literally, I, I have not, I cannot think of a time where it was like, all right, yeah, this sketch really didn't really work for me, but everything else did. Like normally I have a few to pick from for each category. I mean, <sighs> I my, my other honorable mention. Uh, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Honorable mention. Go for it. Do it. Joke swap, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's in the runner. So, like, I had that as my best, and then I crossed it out and just wrote weekend update because weekend update from beginning to end was perfect. That's true. You had the court, it was it was Pete Davidson and Cecily Strong as the correspondent bits, and both were just like not a bit didn't work. And then you had some really fucking funny jokes and a joke swap. So, I mean, that was uh, oh God. I, like Lil Nas X was amazing. Like I didn't totally, it's like his his first performance was one of the best musical performances I've seen on SNL in years. It was so good. And the fact that he messed up, like messed up in it or something just went wrong. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. So it's something went wrong and he recovered and it still fucking rocked. It was uh, truly, I have not enjoyed watching a musical sketch that much on SNL in a very long time. I yeah. was, I had my attention from beginning to fucking end. That's why I liked it so I, much. That, I know. So it's like, yeah, my best, it's every, it's everything but AMC goes into the runner-up section for me because oh. I, I, I refuse to choose. It's bold. Well, I shouldn't. Okay. I can't choose everything. That's stupid. Ah, but like Celtic women had a few really good lines. Like, uh, I was cracking up. Holy shit. So was back. Oh my God. All right, I'm going to say my runner-up was the cold open and my best was Weekend Update. Yeah, Weekend Update was amazing. My best was the musical performances. I was really anticipating these and they delivered. Yeah, I the only reason I did not put that in an official slot was because I wasn't totally familiar with the second song and while I enjoyed it, it just like... I, I, yeah. And then I would feel bad saying like, oh, well, this song of his, well, yeah, I mean, that song is a goddamn hit, which I will, I do appreciate on Apple Music, how there's Montero, Montero, but Lil Nas X makes all the sounds with his mouth, Montero, Satan's extended version, and then there's Montero, but Lil Nas X is silent the entire time. He is so fucking funny. I love his personality. (laughs) 
oh my god it's just so good like i yeah but that was fucking it oh um on twitter sorry i ran a give me the profile you bitch sorry oh it looks different because my window is smaller uh-huh. So I ran a poll last night from it got 41 votes. Uh, 78% of you thought it was an epic episode. 12.2% of you said not bad, seen better. And 9.8% of you said, ugh, season 47 ASAP. <laughs> so I guess 7% of you did not like the show. Um, uh, yeah, if you want to let us no uh well okay first uh you can find us on all major podcast platforms don't forget to like subscribe rate and review tell your friends um we will be doing we continue releasing episodes throughout the hiatus we do snl classic episodes we are working our way through the snl bible live from new york uh which we will post a link to the indie bound bound thank you (laughs) i always want to say indiegogo i fucking it's not like we haven't had this conversation before just think binds like btk i don't know yeah oh jesus Steph. um so yeah so we'll put a link to that in the show notes um and i believe we are gonna try to get our patreon up and running within the next few weeks so we will let you know when that happens yeah we will expand on that until then head us up on twitter facebook reddit um gmail satnighthighpod at gmail.com we have a website satnighthighpod.com and if you have any topics or cast members or anything you would like to hear us discuss on patreon please let us know yes what do you want us to do a deep dive into but yeah thank you for listening so far it's really wonderful talking with all you guys and yeah until next monday i'm gilda happy hiatus highs and i'm steph happy hiatus highs